Hello, hello, it's Dallas Travers, and you've tuned in to Coaches on a Mission, where we're shaking up the online coaching world one bonus episode at a time. Are you hooked yet? If not, hit subscribe or follow, whatever that button is on your favorite podcast platform. And I want you to do that now because we're halfway through our special What to Do Instead series, and I don't want you to miss a thing. So this series, it really is my heart's project, and it's crafted to swap out the not-so-great with the oh-so-good practices in our online coaching space. So last episode, we unpacked the ins and outs of sales strategies. Today, we're going to get real and talk about strategic and authentic content. But first, I've got a small request. Would you please go to dallastravers.com forward slash WTDI. Go there now and download our beautiful digital magazine. It's not only easy on the eyes, and I know I keep saying that, but it's really pretty. (laughs) So yes, it's not only easy on the eyes, but it's also bursting with exclusive gifts just for you from each one of our What to Do Instead series experts. Plus, the magazine is free, and with every new subscriber, I'm going to donate a dollar to the AFIA Center, which is dedicated to the empowerment and well-being of black women and girls in North Texas. They are pioneers in the reproductive justice space, and they just celebrated their 15th anniversary. So trust me, this is a cause that I care about really deeply. So your support, it does mean the world. Let's help the AFIA Center and help your business now by going to dallastravers.com forward slash W. T-D-I, that's what to do instead, and claiming your digital magazine. Okay, so with that good deed out of the way, let's get down to today's focus and talk about how to create content that's not just seen, but also felt. Letitia Lynch is going to start things off by helping you ditch the digital exhaustion. This is really the smart coach's guide to creating content, and the good news here is you do not have to do all of the things in all of the places. From there, my friend Tamika Awai will reveal the missing link in your funnel, and this one thing could actually neglect up to 95% of your leads, so you're going to want to hang on Tamika's every word. After that, Megan Ketchigan is going to deliver a simple approach to your marketing plan with something that she calls the 3M Roadmap, and we will wrap it up with Samantha Burmeister. She's going to help you bust through the illusion of outsourcing your copy. There is a copywriter living inside of you, and Sam's going to pull that person out. All right, we've got lots to cover. Let's get into strategic and authentic content. My name is Leticia Lynch, and I'm a marketing strategist and marketing coach for female online service providers and coaches who sell high-ticket services. I specifically specialize in the messaging and marketing strategy on multiple channels that really teaches them what to say, how to say it, and where to say it that feels aligned and authentic so that they can attract and book high-ticket clients. One of the most outdated and kind of harmful practices that coaches need to ditch right away is feeling like they have to be on these social media channels as if they are professional content creators. At the end of the day, you're not trying to be a professional podcaster, YouTuber, Instagram, or TikToker. You're really trying to sell your services to people who need you, who need your help. And the fact that we've been told for so long to post several times a day, every single day on every single channel. I just think that it's been extremely harmful for us as business owners and as coaches. So I really want to share why we need to ditch this practice of over showing up and doing too much. One of the biggest reasons is because most of us primarily sell high ticket coaching programs and high ticket services. And so as a high ticket expert, you do not need the kind of volume of content or even the same volume of clients and customers that the people who are influencers and content creators or even people who primarily sell low ticket are going to need. You're putting an unnecessary pressure on yourself to overperform, but life circumstances and our energy and just things going on around us and our capacity isn't always going to allow for us to show up with that level of frequency. And so I want you to get into a practice of not feeling obligated to do so. 
Before I take you through the steps, let me introduce you to what you can do instead. You can implement a long-form gateway marketing strategy where you create comprehensive, informative, and engaging long-form pieces of content, such as blog posts, videos, or podcasts, and have those be supported by the occasional short-form teasers in order to minimize your social presence and maximize your client bookings. Now I'm going to take you through each step. Step one is to map out your buyer's persona. I think that a lot of people feel like, I know my target audience, but you really need to map out your buyer persona, which is going to allow you to have a profile for the person, the type of person and their personality that you're potentially going to be working with. If you're not picturing specific people when you're coming up with your content strategy, it's why your content will kind of either fall flat or not really attract the type of people that you really want to work with. I would bullet point out different things about their demographics, psychographics, and their buying behaviors in order to create a buyer persona for my person. Because then step two will be for you to then create a storyline for that persona, for each of your personas. And in that storyline, you're going to include the following. First, how they felt when they first initially started doing what they're currently doing now. This is usually the part of the story where it started off good, exciting, great, fun, before the turning point where they need help now. (laughs) So have their origin story or where they got started. Next, in the storyline, what was the turning point that made them feel unhappy or fulfilled? These things might have multiple things that, you know, create this story. So you could do this in the form of bullets. You can write it in a paragraph. It doesn't matter. Just be thorough. The next question that you need to answer is what would they prefer to be doing right now? They obviously don't have it because they need your help, but what would they like to have happening right now? Lastly, answer why they haven't been able to do it yet. When you can do all four of these, answer all four of these questions, you have a storyline for a very specific person that you would like to serve and work with. And now you know who you're talking to because then step three is to map out the buyer's journey. If you've never thought about the buyer's journey These are just stages that include pain points, desires, and objections at each stage. These are key questions and challenges that they're facing and how your offer can actually help them overcome those challenges and achieve their desired outcome. So you got to consider what type of, you know, what content you want to put in there. When you can understand the different stages of the buyer's journey, you can create content offers and experiences that meet the specific needs and desires of your ideal client at each stage. This can help you then attract, engage, and retain clients and position yourself as an expert in your field. So the stages that you need to really map out are the awareness stage, which is stage one. This is where the client becomes aware of the problem or the challenge that they're facing and they start searching for solutions. At this stage, though, they're just looking for information, education, and inspiration to help them understand the problem and find a way to solve it. For this stage, you're going to come up with pain points, desires, and objections. You're going to do the same thing for every other stage. So what are some pain points that they have right now? What do they desire when they don't really know what the problem is? And what are some objections to solving that problem at this stage? Next is the consideration stage. So now they have identified a possible range of solutions and they're evaluating which one will best work for them. At this stage, they're comparing different offers, looking for reviews and recommendations and assessing the credibility and trustworthiness of the provider. So what are some pain points, desires, and objections they would have at the consideration stage? Lastly, the decision stage, the client has decided to move forward with a particular solution and is ready to take action. So at this stage, they're looking for clear instructions, guidance, and support to help them implement the solution and achieve the desired outcome. What are some pain points, desires, and objections they'll have just before pulling the trigger on making the purchase? So now you have your buyer persona, 
you know the storyline. So then when you're mapping out this buyer's journey, it should be very clear what pain points, desires, and objections that specific person would have at each stage. Because lastly, you are now going to come up with your long form content. For your long form content, I'm going to give you nine content buckets. I leverage these content buckets when I'm launching any offer because essentially if I covered all nine of these things, this would take someone on the perfect buyer's journey and I would have enough long form content to allow someone to binge watch my content without me showing up to create anything new and they would be able to make a buying decision. So The first thing is to identify a need. They need to see that they're in the right place and they need to feel like they can relate to the content really early on for them to stick around during your launch. So this is where you're going to need to identify the storyline that you're going to share with them, help them see that they need to listen. Then the pain point. They need to now hear a story about the most nagging pain point that they've been experiencing and why it exists for them. And they need to see that they have to learn to think differently because what they're currently doing or previously learned isn't working. Your third content bucket is educational. This is where if you can help them overcome a pain point early on, you become a trusted resource for information and an expert in some small capacity. They also need to know that this pain point is just a symptom of a bigger problem here. Number four is to build trust. Why should they trust you? What experience have you had with solving the problem now that they they are aware of it? So your post would help build trust. Your next post is going to showcase your credibility. They need to start to see that you understand where they're trying to go and that the solution is something that they can realistically do and see results from, okay? Then you're going to, number six, identify the solution. This post is going to explicitly be about the solution that you offer and why you focus on that particular solution to the problem. This is where you're going to tell them why you created your offer in the first place. Number seven is your unique approach. Now that they know the solution, you need to showcase your framework, secret sauce, unique approach to the solution that differs from what everyone else is doing. Number eight is your promise. They need to still feel like they can trust that they can achieve the results that you are saying that they can so that you share your promise and this will help them invest with you. And then lastly, number nine is the cost of inaction. Why is this urgent for them now? What happens if they don't choose you this time around? And what happens if they do nothing? What happens if they actually do take action? What's the hopeful future that exists for them? If you can do all four of these steps, you're going to be able to come up with these nine long form pieces of content. And then any additional short form pieces of content is really just going to lead them back to this long form pieces of content. And that's it. You have a simplified content strategy that doesn't force you to be on social media all day. But at the end of the day, if you posted nothing else, you would be able to still book clients. What I've shared with you is something that I've been teaching since 2020. And I've also been implementing this same strategy in my own business since 2020. And what's possible for you when you use this simplified strategy of focusing on your long form content over anything else, this allows you to have a bucket of content to easily repurpose into shorter formatted pieces of content on diversified marketing channels like your email and you can do your podcast and you can do shorts and TikToks and Instagram reels and whatever else you feel like doing without any obligation for actually having to do all of those things. One of my greatest success stories is I had an introverted client who was a designer join my coaching program back in the day, back in 2020, actually, when I first came up with this framework. And she said, you know, I really don't like social media. I especially don't really care for video content, but I get that this is what I should be doing. I would like to do the least amount possible. I gave her this strategy. She created a new offer and she was able to book three clients for her brand new offer, which was a $3,000 offer 
right within five weeks, which helped her to not only make her investment back, but to also build up the confidence and the arsenal of content so that when she eventually had to take a break, which she did, she didn't feel the pain in her business because she had already created the type of content that people would binge, go back and look at and reach out to her because it was attraction marketing content. This is going to allow you to really just, again, simplify your approach to coming up with content for social media. And if you want to add to it, you already have things that you can send people to. And if you don't feel like adding to it, you have enough content that will still sell your offers despite you not wanting to create new things and talk about more. If you take nothing else away from this episode, just know that your business is an extension of you. You are allowed to adapt your marketing strategies to fit your personality, your time commitment, your energy levels, your offers, your focus, everything. People are still going to be around willing to buy. You don't need to show up every single day, all day to be successful. I have successfully changed my business model, my content strategy, my marketing strategy, my offers, how I show up, my messaging, my look. Every shift has felt more closely aligned and authentic to me. And my potential customers have always been able to find me because I am able to remain consistent in the way that feels consistent and good for me. You can do the same. You do not have to do what the popular people are doing. You do not have to kill yourself to show up online and burn yourself out to make money. We will all be okay. Just have faith in knowing that there are other ways to be successful and other ways to approach marketing and every way works when you make it work for you. My name is Tamika Awai, and I'm a fractional chief marketing officer for coaching businesses. I specialize in helping coaches to turn more of their new email leads into new clients without relying on time-consuming, energy-sucking launches. One outdated practice that coaches need to ditch right away is to stop being so obsessed with the top of their funnel and the bottom of their funnel. Now, you might be thinking, I don't have a funnel, or um, maybe that isn't language that's familiar to you. But what I'm talking about is at the top of the funnel, that is the place where we attract new leads. And coaches spend an insane amount of time trying to think about you know, where they're going to find new leads, especially new email leads. What, you know, lead magnet am I going to use to get people to sign up for my list? Is it going to be a quiz or should I create a checklist? Should I create a meditation or a, you know, daily meal plan? Or, you know, what is the thing that I'm going to do that's going to have thousands of people joining my email list, right? That's one place where a ton of time is spent at the top of the funnel. And at the bottom of the funnel on the other side is, well, how am I going to get all of my email subscribers to sign up for my programs? What am I going to do to launch with epic results? Am I going to have a five-day challenge? Am I going to send some 6,500 emails? Am I going to do a workshop series? Like, What is the thing that's going to have these email leads actually sign up? In these two areas, the top of the funnel and the bottom of the funnel, so much time, energy, and attention is spent and it needs to stop. Let me share why we all need to let this practice go. You see, no matter how fantastic your lead generation or top of funnel strategy is, and no matter how incredible your launch strategy or bottom of the funnel is, statistics show that you're probably only going to see maybe one to 5% of your email leads buy, right? If all other things are left equal, you don't do anything else and you just consistently go through this, you know, um, circle, this repetitive circle of, you know, attract new leads, you know, and then launch, sell them the program, attract new leads, launch and sell them the program. Only one to 5% of those new leads are going to buy. So doubling down on your strategy of lead generation and of launching without doing anything different, what it does is it actually creates a giant leak in your funnel or marketing ecosystem if you prefer, right? Because think about it this way. If you attract 100 new leads, let's say, and then you launch to them and only one to five of those people are going to buy, well, the other, you know, 95 to 99 people, like what happens to them? 
where do they go? It's a giant leaky bucket that you're creating for yourself, not to mention how exhausting, time-consuming, and often expensive it can be. So that's why it's really got to stop. Before I take you through the steps, let me introduce what you can do instead. So what you can do instead is create a strategic nurture marketing sequence that is designed to turn more of your new leads into new clients. What I'm talking about here is creating a series of emails that do the job of helping your ideal clients on your email list see that number one, you understand their problem better than anybody that they have ever come across in their world ever, right? So you super understand exactly what's going on for them. And number two, you want to help your prospects see their problem in a brand new way, in a way that they've never seen it before. When you do those two things, helping them see, right? Helping them see that you really get them and also helping them think about their problem in a brand new way, they suddenly relax into a bit of trust, right? That's where the no like and trust factor comes in, in my view, they start to trust that you are the expert, the coach who is really, you know, the best fit to support them. Of course, this doesn't happen with one single email. That's why we have a series, but done over a period of time, helping your um, email leads, you know, kind of systematically see that, yes, you know, they understand the problems that I'm going through, you know, on a daily basis. And then, you know, presenting them with a new perspective on how they might solve it or, or why they're even having that problem in the first place. That is the way that we create a real lean in factor. That is what has, um, our email list really, you know, kind of chopping at the bit before, you know, the launch even happens before an offer is even made. There's really that understanding that like, yes, this person, this coach, they get me. And so when you offer solution on the other side, you know, you best believe they're ready to jump in. Now I'll take you through each step. So the first thing that you're going to want to do is you're going to really want to get super duper clear on the top symptoms that your ideal client faces in a week or, you know, in a day, right? So I want you to really, you know, this is a fun little exercise you can do. Take a sheet of paper and I want you to fold it in half. And on one side, I want you to write symptoms. And I want you just to spend some time envisioning your client really going through their day and just, you know, make a note of every time something happens for them that is like a little like trigger, a little, you know, lets them know that they have a problem, that something is going on here. And I don't want you to just sort of high level it, right? I want you to get into real detail of what the symptom, like exactly how it shows up. So if you're a parenting coach, let's say, I'll just give an example. So if you're a parenting coach who coaches, you know, let's say toddlers on dealing with, you know, big emotions or something like that without losing their, you know, shizzle every single day, the symptom might look like, you know, mom is dreading having to go to daycare in the morning because, you know, there's always a meltdown about putting on coats and shoes, right? So there's this whole dread every single day of like having to leave the house because it's going to be super dramatic, right? So symptoms like that, that's just one example, but go through and kind of think about like, don't, you know, put any limits on, you know, I mean, you might want to give yourself a time limit. So you're not doing this for 24 hours, but you know, give yourself like 20 minutes, let's say, and just brainstorm as many specific symptoms as you can think of and put those on maybe left-hand side of the paper, right? And under the column of symptoms. And then on the other side of the paper, I want you to write perspective shift on the top. And for each of those symptoms, I want you to sit down and think about, you know, if you were sitting down face-to-face over a cup of tea, you know, with this ideal client, they were telling you about this particular symptom, you know, what is the new perspective shift that you would give them that would have them really understand that, you know, if they just thought about their problem a little bit differently, that they might be able to solve it for good right? What is that new perspective shift? So, you know, again, going back to our parenting coach example, and forgive me if you are a parenting coach, because I am not some kind of, I have worked with several, so I'm just kind of drawing on what I know and having kids myself versus being a super expert. But the perspective shift might sound something like this. Toddlers, you know, they are really challenged when it's time to shift 
activities. So it's quite likely that anytime that you are shifting activities with your toddler, there's going to be some resistance. They like autonomy. They like to be doing what they've chosen to do, not what they're told to do. And so no matter what, like, yes, it might feel like your kid is the only kid in the world who, you know, has a huge tantrum every time they have to leave the house, but that's not quite the truth, right? Most kids have this resistant level. And what you need to do instead is you really need to find ways to soften the transition, find language that you can use, or, you know, maybe, you know, give them some advance notice and a countdown, right? And you that's the place where you'd kind of, you know, think about a little bit about what your unique strategy would be, right? But again, imagine this whole idea of this column of, you know, symptoms that your ideal client might be experiencing. And then on the other side, you've got these new perspectives, your unique perspectives that you'd want to communicate to them. Now, what you're going to do from there is you're going to start to turn these pairs of symptom and perspective shift into emails. And you're going to want these emails to really spend a lot of time kind of setting up the problem. This is how we let our people know that we really understand what's going on for them, right? So you're going to speak about the actual scenario, that scenario of, you know, here you are, it's about to, time to head out and you're dreading going to the to school or to daycare or whatever, because you know, there's going to be a big blowout. And, you know, then here's what you need to know instead. Or here's another way to think about it, right? So you're going to have all of your emails set up to present that problem up up top, that symptom that they can really relate to, right? And we're going to use lots of detail and we're going to use language that, you know, really matches how your ideal client might talk about the particular problem. And then we're going to present a new perspective right? That thing that they need to know instead, right? That's really setting us up, sharing our expertise, but again, really helping our people understand like there's just a couple things you don't know. And if you knew them, then you'd understand that this is a totally fixable problem, right? So we've got our column of symptoms, our column of perspective shifts. We're going to create emails out of each of them. And then what we're going to do over time is we are going to distill down, and this is going to take a little bit of practice, right? But we're going to start out by picking the symptoms and perspective shifts that feel most key, right? A lot of this is a little intuitive and a little bit of guessing until we get out there and test it. But we are going to create an email series that has maybe, you know, 10 to 12 emails that are talking about these most common sort of symptoms and these top perspective shifts. And we're going to ensure that every single person who joins our email list receives this series of emails before the next launch, right? If you're in a launch, if you're, if you're launching programs that applies, and if you have a program or something like that, that's always available, then I want you to invite testing is ensuring that every single person receives this series of emails before you make an offer. Now, here's the thing. Does this mean that everyone joining my email list like isn't going to get offered, you know, an opportunity to work with me until they've received all these emails? No, no, no. Nothing could be further from the truth. In these emails, it's totally fine in a PS or a soft call to action. You can say, "Hey, if you'd like to know a little bit more about how I do this with clients, you know, click here and here's some information or click here and book a call." So, what I'm talking about here when I talk about strategic nurture email sequence and using these, this series of emails that present, that talk about the symptoms and present a new perspective shift, right? They don't necessarily have to be without a, you know, here's how we can work together. That can totally happen. But what we're doing again is we're really doing that piece of rather than just saying, Hey, you're here in my world. Now go buy something is we are doing that piece of helping ensure that our people really understand that we can help them. Uh, we understand their problem and we can share a new perspective on how to solve it. And help, of course, we can help them solve it too if they choose to work with us. Here's what's possible when coaches use this strategy of creating a strategic nurture email sequence to turn more of their new leads into new clients. So, you know, one of the big things that our clients see when they put this into action is that certainly they're seeing like, you know, prospects raising their hand well before the cart opens. So if they are in a launch model for their business, you know, they have people who after getting certain emails are like hitting a reply and saying, you know, Hey, you know, when are you enrolling for this program next? Or maybe, you know, certainly if you are, if for our clients who take sales calls, you know, they're seeing folks, you know, signing up for sales calls, that sort of thing. Right. So it's, it's that interest. It's that excitement even before, the offers made, it is this piece of seeing your prospects reaching out to you. Like that is certainly one thing that happens. Um, that's super exciting to see. The other thing that's really cool to see 
is that for clients who do get, who do host sales calls, you know, or even, you know, if they get like an email reply, it's so interesting to see their prospects kind of quoting their emails in those conversations. So it's like, oh my goodness, when you said X, Y, and Z, I just knew I had to work with you, you know, and that might come through in an email or in the DMs or, you know, on a sales call, right? So that's really exciting. And, you know, again, for our clients who have sales calls to fill their programs, it's, you know, they certainly have people showing up on the call that are less, you know, sort of, I don't know if you can help me, but rather more, okay, I'm ready to rip out the sale, the, my credit card, let me know how much it's going to cost. And, you know, if timing works, you know, I'm in, right. They're really, there's just this all in attitude. And then certainly for those who are enrolling with, you know, more of a traditional online launch and selling with emails and that sort of thing, they're just seeing a more successful launch, right? People are ready to step in when that invitation is made. And that is, you know, sort of the big win of putting a strategic nurture sequence in place. If you take nothing else away from this episode, know that it really serves you to think about the messaging that you're going to be sending a new lead before you actually invite them to work with you, right? It's not necessarily that you can't make that offer right out and that there won't be some people who aren't ready to buy the moment they join your list, but really without having some careful thought around what messages, what, you know, top, what do I need to have? What conversation do I need to have with my email list in order to set them up to be ready, you know, to step in and work with me without that you're really doing, you know, yourself and those people that you're to help a disservice, right? They're not going to be ready to step in and you're going to be, you know, wasting all kinds of energy trying to figure out how to, you know, grow your list or, you know, fill your program. So it really just serves you to stop, take a moment, think strategically about how, to create that lean in factor that we talked about by shifting perspectives around the problem and get this nurture sequence in place. Dallas here. Letitia and Tamika both came on this show back in our first year, and it's been really fun to have them back here again inside of the What to Do Instead series. So we've got two more incredible guests to help you be more strategic with your content. But first, we've turned each guest's talk into an easy-to-follow article inside the companion What to Do Instead magazine. So please go download your copy now because for every new email subscriber who does does just that before the end of December, I'm going to donate a dollar to the AFIA Center, which is an incredible reproductive justice organization helping black women and girls achieve true reproductive freedom. So all four guests you'll hear from today have contributed a fun freebie for you, plus more freebies from every guest in this entire series. So please take 30 seconds right now to visit dallastravers.com forward slash WTDI from there. There you can download the What to Do Instead companion magazine to access all of the freebies, plus the articles, and most importantly, to show your support for the AFIA Center. Okay, my friends, and now back to the show. My name is Megan Katchigan, and I am a funnel fixer and copywriter for High Ticket Coaches. One outdated practice coaches need to ditch right away is using a few specific headline formulas that we see all the time, and they've become so normalized that we don't even think about the effect it has on us subconsciously. I've got two of those examples for you today. Let me share why we need to get rid of these headline writing formulas using two examples. First example is this. Tell me if you've heard this before. Follow the exact steps I took with my proven path to get X result or make Y dollars in insert very short amount of time. Like I made $5 billion in five steps. Do you want it? So that's a little bit exaggerated, but we've all heard that before. And we know that the truth is no one ever achieved greatness by following a beaten path. And yes, they might have good intention, but the truth is that you can follow the exact same steps and still likely get a very different result. Even if you take action and do the work 100% because you have a different background, different experiences, different risk tolerance, different perspective, different audience, different team, and a different life than that person. And an all too common business mistake is following a business model that is just not designed for you and your strengths, talents, gifts, and values. It seems easier on the surface level to just follow what someone else has already done successfully, but actually to live out your calling, you must be a trailblazer. This is not an easy path, but 
This is your unique path that you've got to take. The second headline formula that I'd love to get rid of is blogging is dead. Paid ads are dead. Organic traffic is dead. Funnels are dead. Like insert whatever it is, is dead. Like it is not dead. (laughs) They're just trying to sell you the opposite thing. Because the truth is all marketing works. It's all a function of time and strategy and having the consistency to see it through. And we're going to loop back to that consistency part towards the end here. But the problem with these formulas that I've shared with you is that they work, (laughs) they're easy, but they're not exactly ethical and especially without context. And for me, I think that not telling the full truth is not the same thing as being honest. But the good news is that people are starting to see past this. And I believe our coaching industry is trending toward radical authenticity, transparency, and appropriate levels of vulnerability. And those people are winning both with income and impact. The right road is the long road and it's worth it. So before I take you through the steps, let me introduce you to what you can do instead. So if we are not using these headline formulas, what you can do instead is design your own 3M roadmap. This is my signature process and the three M's stand for messaging, mapping, and marketing. And these are the three critical pieces that you need to have in place for the, your copy to convert. Now I'll take you through each step of the 3M process. First is messaging. Make sure your ideal audience's jaw drops because they feel like you just read their journal, understanding exactly where they're at, what they're feeling, and the desired transformation that they're looking for. Ask yourself these few questions. Jot down your answers or think through them so that you have an insight to dial in your messaging, which is the foundation. So first, what makes you different from your competitors? What do you offer that they do not? What are themes that you hear in your testimonials when people work with you? What is a common response or reaction from your clients? What are you talking about in your most popular pieces of content? Each of these questions can give you insights as to what your ideal audience wants to hear more of, what makes you different, and why exactly they should be working with you versus someone else. Next step is the mapping, intentionally mapping out your journey from cold to client in a way that aligns with your personality, strengths, gifts, and values. Oftentimes, uh, someone will come to me and they tell me they have to do it this way because so-and-so guru in the space is doing it that way and it works for them, so they're going to try and do it that way too. Or their very expensive business coach has told them to do it some way and they feel committed to at least trying that because they already put a lot of dollars down to get that strategy that they now don't even know how they want to carry out or if they even want to. So let's think about all the different ways that people can come into your world, that you can get traffic through your funnel, um, and that people can hear about your service, your coaching, and all the wonderful things that you do. So... A lot of people, of course, use the social media route, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok, Twitter, or X now, I guess it is. And a lot of people don't really like that. Some people do, and the stories are a great way to interact and truly engage with people and really demonstrate your authenticity and just show up fully as you. And that is great. Um, So if that is you, then keep doing that. But that, if that is not you, then know that there are also other ways that you can map out the journey that is going to work for both you and your ideal audience. So what if you tried search engine optimization instead, SEO? So there's a couple different ways that that can work. So the first thing that comes to mind is blogs, writing. So if you are a writer, then blogs and using SEO in those blogs might be a great step for you. But maybe you're more of a visual person. You really want your branding to show through. Um, Maybe you are in graphic design or some sort of similar thing. Then maybe Pinterest would be a great thing for you. That is also search engine optimized. Um, But if you are more like if visual is more of your strength, then that that would be a great way to go. Another SEO route would be YouTube. If you love being on video, if that really lights you up, then maybe YouTube would be a great route for you to go down. All of them use SEO keywords to get people like what they're actually searching for. And that always gives you endless amounts of content ideas to write about. 
Another idea is to do joint ventures. Maybe you're doing email swaps or guest blogging. Maybe you are doing workshops with someone else's audience or summits. And these types of collaborations are other ways that you can share an audience and get more eyeballs on your offer. You can also do speaking engagements to get people to come into your world. So whether that is podcasts, lives on Instagram or Facebook, you can participate in summits, speak on stages, participate in bundles. There's all these different ways to get more eyeballs onto your business in a way that feels good to you and in a way that honors your strength, your capacity, your gifts, and your values in a way that also speaks to your client as well. So that is a win-win there. And then the third of these three M's is marketing. And by that, I really just mean the implementation to make this all happen in a way that actually feels good to you. We'll also look at the data that that matters um, without getting overwhelmed with all the numbers. So for example, something I see often is like, we like to know what is your list size when you're participating in like a bundle, for example. And like, that's cool, but it can be a vanity metric if you never actually email them. So if you are concerned about growing your list, like then of course it sounds obvious right when we're saying it is like you should be emailing them, but it's often a huge obstacle is to actually find the time, the capacity to actually write, schedule, and send out those email regular emails to your list and not just when you have to sell something. Now, here's what's possible when you create your 3M roadmap. You don't sound like every other coach on the internet. <laughs> you absolutely own what makes you different. And that doesn't scare you or make you feel nervous about getting visible and putting yourself out there. You're more energized about your business again, and your audience can tell in your marketing. And you can tell too, because marketing no longer feels draining to you. It's not a chore or a necessary evil to, in order for you to be able to do what you love. No more throwing spaghetti against the wall and hoping it sticks. Your funnel actually converts and your marketing actually feels like it's working. And all that makes you more confident in putting yourself out there and doing so consistently. If you take nothing else away from this episode, know this, your inner voice matters. It matters more than what the guru in your industry is doing. And it matters more than the voice of your business coach, even though I'm sure they're great. And hopefully they're also guiding you to amplify your inner voice instead of overriding it. Your inner voice is your secret weapon because marketing always works. It's just a matter of when. And the closest you can get to guarantee marketing is going to work is consistency, being consistent. So let's make it as easy as possible to be consistent by aligning your marketing with your strengths, your gifts, and your values, which is exactly why we do what we do in the 3M Roadmap. Hey, my name is Samantha Burmeister. I'm the founder and lead copywriter at Nomad Copy Agency. And as a copywriter, I help people sell more using words on the internet. <laughs> I do this through done for you copy as well as my program called copy on demand where people submit the copy that they write to me and I help them change it and write it better so that they become better writers for their own businesses as a fraction of what it costs to typically work with a copywriter. One really silly practice that coaches need to ditch right away is thinking that they have to spend a lot of money on copy to guarantee a successful launch. Honestly, the reason why we need to let this idea go is profit margins. When we think that simply outsourcing something, whether it's copy or otherwise, is the magic bullet that we need to like have the biggest, best launch of our lives and attract the ideal clients, etc. When we think that outsourcing it is what we need, honestly, usually it just means that there is something that we are scared of within ourselves. When we think that we need to spend a lot of money on copy and outsource the copy for our launch, it means that we're letting go of a little bit of the ownership of having a successful launch. And that's what makes it a little bit harmful and a little bit out of date. That said, there's always a time and a place to outsource different things, but I always want to be sure that when my clients work with me, they're not handing things off from a place of fear, but from a place of empowerment. So instead of spending a 
boatload of money and just handing off all of your copy, which is your most important sales tool when launching a new program or course or one-on-one opportunity to work with you, rather than handing off that copy, I think there's a huge opportunity to learn how to write better copy for yourself, how to do it more quickly, and how to do it in a way that converts while maintaining both your brand as well as your budget. So let's talk about what that looks like. Really, there's three things that learning how to write your own copy and how to do it well can do for you. One, it's going to fast track the writing process. Two, it's going to teach you how to write better so that you convert more. And three, it's going to help you in the future to not only convert more, but feel really confident about what it is that you're publishing and why you're writing it. So let's step back to the beginning. How do you know what to write? And with my clients through Copy On Demand, they can come to me and say, Sam, I need an outline. Sam, this is what my overall plan is, but I need you to tell me exactly what to write. So rather than outsourcing and just telling somebody, this is my program, you take the reins, you hold the reins, you and your project manager, your team, your VA, whoever you are holding closest in your launch plan needs to know an outline of the plan, but can have somebody tell you exactly what needs to be written so that your ideal audience is being communicated to in a way that is consistent and clear throughout the launch and throughout the sales process. So when you have a copywriter in your back pocket, you can go to them and say, what do I need to say at each stage in the launch? What is the core message that I'm going to get across here? And then when you have that plan, when you have that outline or idea, you're fast tracking the writing process because one, you know exactly what you're going to say. And two, you are doing it with the confidence of somebody who has experience in sales, who has experience with hundreds of launches throughout different industries so that they're looking at your launch through both an objective and subjective lens and can pivot based on your specific needs. Then you go and you fast track the writing process because you know that what you're writing is what's going to be used and you know that for the most part, it's going to resonate. So that's the first step, fast tracking the writing process. Then you go back and you look at what you've written. And again, you can do this with the help of a copywriter and through my program copy on demand as well. Then send off your copy to somebody who knows your business, knows what's going on through your launch, has that context. But again, you're not paying them tens of thousands of dollars to write these emails for your launch. You're actually only paying a couple hundred dollars a month. But they know your business, they know who your ideal audience is, and they can help you pivot what you've already written and tell you why you should change those things so that you can turn around and write it You can make those improvements and do it better, but also write better in the future because you now have the lessons of what you've done, what you've changed, and what the sales psychology is behind those changes so that you don't make either the same mistakes or so that you can elevate your copy to a similar extent in the future. And again, the outsourcing process here, while it may save you money, is not necessarily teaching you how to be a better writer. So ultimately, again, remember the point here is that it's not wrong to outsource. It's that sometimes there's a hybrid approach to outsourcing that helps you improve along the way. And then the final step, once you've written this copy quickly, knowing that what you're writing is actually relevant, you've edited your copy to optimize it for conversions, then in the future, the final step here is that you become a more confident writer. You see the way that copywriters write, you see what is working for your audience, and you've been intimately involved. So there is no passing the buck of, you know, perhaps somebody might not have written something that sounded like you, or they missed the mark on what the actual deliverables of the program are. You eliminate any of that and you know that you are going to consistently continue to write on brand and therefore when you don't have a copywriter look something over, you are feeling way more confident than you ever did before that not only is that copy going to resonate but going to convert 
because you're doing it with the lessons that you've learned through experience. You are truly experiencing what it's like to learn to sell better for yourself. So here's what's possible when coaches use copy on demand or done with you copywriting services. They become more confident in what they offer. They are staying more on brand. And this is entirely possible for you without it feeling like writing the copy is the biggest, most cumbersome part of selling, whether it's an evergreen offer or your launch. Because you've fast-tracked the process, you know that what you're writing has intention behind it. You're not just simply writing based on some listicle you found on the internet. So it is entirely possible to sell more, to do it with more confidence. And again, coming back to the top, the whole point of this is to increase your profit margins, both your energetic and your monetary profit margins, because you're spending less time writing, less time worrying about handing it off, more time feeling empowered by what you can actually write. And again, those profit margins done with you copy, especially through copy on demand is about 10% of what it costs to retain a copywriter or hire somebody to write for your launch. So you have these margins, this area of opportunity, this abundance of time and energy that you wouldn't otherwise have. So if there's nothing else that you take away from this episode, it's this. When you can sell for yourself using copy, copy that is scalable, copy that is at the core of an abundant concept because it can reach people when you're not around. It's going to sell for you when you're not around. When you tap into that side of your abundance, your potential as a business owner is expansive. So like I said, if you take nothing else away from this episode, know that copy is at the core of business abundance and it's your opportunity to step into that in this moment. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you're new to Coaches on a Mission, please take a moment to like, subscribe, follow, do all the things so that you don't miss another episode. This small act of support actually helps us get this important what to do instead message into more earbuds of values-driven coaches just like you. So speaking of that, if you know a values-driven coach who could benefit from this episode, this show, or definitely this series, please share this episode with them now. And don't forget to download your companion What to Do Instead magazine now at dallastravers.com slash WTDI. We will see you soon for another excellent episode.